welcome to this inspiring message brought to you by Kingsword Media Outreach, a part of Kingsword Ministries International. We hope this teaching inspires you and transforms you into all that God has destined you to be. Please stay tuned for more information about Kingsword Ministries International following this message. May God bless you as you listen. Glory to God. Come and put those hands together for the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, that was for me. Put those hands together for the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Look to your left and right. Welcome someone to church. Tell the person you look good. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Turn your Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 and verse James 1.22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. The Amplified Version says, But be doers of the word, obey the message, and not merely listeners to it, betraying yourselves into deception by reasoning contrary to the truth contrary to the truth there is there is a truth about God's word that is absolute. There is a truth about God's word that if you believe any other thing outside it, the Bible says that you are deceiving yourselves, you are betraying yourselves, and you are reasoning contrary to the truth. And it didn't say a truth. Letting us know that it is not, there is no perspective of that truth. Alright? It's the truth. So it says, be doers of the word and not merely listeners to it. So that you don't reason contrary to the truth. So it means that the moment I begin to reason contrary to what is true about God or what is the truth that there is to be the moment I begin to reason contrary to it it means that I am living in deception what it means is that if God's word says this then I have to act according to that thought so the moment um, my perception changes the moment I begin to think otherwise 
I'm acting contrary to the truth of the word. So I want to title what I'm talking about briefly today. The believer's voice of victory. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. 2 Timothy 3 and 1. It says, But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. They will come. I will stop there for now. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. And then it began to talk about some of the things that would happen in that um, perilous times talked about a lot of things the amplified version puts it this way he said that in the last days times of great stress and trouble hard to deal with and hard to bear hard to deal with and hard to bear it means that when we find ourselves in a, in a place where there are times of great stress and then there's trouble. It's hard for you to deal with it and it's hard for you to bear. Understand that scripture has said times like that will come. Alright? So, the problem, follow me carefully, is not the fact that there are perilous times or there are sad times. No, that's really not the problem. Scripture has warned us, prepared us, told us ahead of time that hard times will come. Times that are hard to bear. Difficult to bear. Very difficult to bear. Times of great stress and trouble. And it listed a lot of things that would happen in that period and that season that would describe times of great stress, describe times of great trouble, and let me tell you ahead of time that there is nothing you can do to avoid it. You can't pray enough. You can't fast enough. You can't give enough. Such that it will bring you to a place where there is no great stress or great trouble. However, some people might argue and say, okay, if there is nothing I can do to avoid it, then maybe I should do nothing at all. That's where most people make the mistake to stay. Because if they say it is kesera sera, and then there is nothing I can do, then it means I shouldn't do anything at all. Because what will be, will be. So that's the mistake a lot of people make. And then they, they tend to stay in that position that, don't worry, um, what will happen will happen. There's nothing you can do about it. Just stay in this place and all that. That even Bible has said it. That great stress will come and great trouble. Okay? So there are hard times to deal with and hard times to bear. But in James 1.22 that we read. It said, Be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves reasoning contrary to the truth so it means that in times of great stress and times of great trouble 
there is a truth that is contrary to stress and contrary to great trouble. Yes, there is trouble. Yes, there is great stress. Yes, there is um, discomfort here and there. Even if you've not been feeling it before, you can feel it now. Fuel is 220. You will feel it. There's no how you will not feel it. I, was, I watched a skit on Instagram. I'm Lizzie J. She was protecting national treasure. Please ask me what the national treasure was. One liter of fuel. Say that's our national treasure. We make light of it. But it's a serious problem. It's a serious problem. One country is sitting down on their own because they are small and they don't have too much power. Another country decides that let's take over them. And nobody can do anything about it. Why? We are world superpower. Imagine if you are the president of Ukraine. How would you feel? You feel belittled. You feel insignificant. So because of the power of another, the oppression you feel is not because you are not able, but because even if you talk, your voice will not carry power. Your voice will not have authority. Even if you say anything, who would hear? The Bible says there was um, um, a city in Ecclesiastes. It says, and in that city there was a poor, poor wise man. It says, the poor wise man by his wisdom, he delivered the city. He said, but nobody remembered the poor wise man. May your voice have authority. May your voice carry weight. I was doing a training a couple of days ago I think on Friday or so and I was telling the people I was training how that many years ago I had at different points in my life where I wanted to call it quits I mean I had different points in life different points driving down toward Milan one voice would just say just turn like this turn like this turn like this and then at some point you get into certain gatherings your opinion does not count not because you don't have what to say but who are you your opinion doesn't count but you know that what you are saying is wise. What you are saying will save people and deliver people. But your opinion doesn't count. It doesn't count. So the Bible is telling us that there will be times of great stress and great trouble. Times that are hard to deal with. Very hard to deal with. And in those times there will still be the demand for us to reason in line with scripture. There will still be the demand for us to reason in line with truth. So it means that whatever time or season that I am in, 
the truth of God still remains. That's what, that cannot change. That's constant. So rather than I begin to align myself with the situation, I align myself with what is true. What is true at that time, what God's word is saying about that at that time. So that I don't stay contrary to truth. What does it mean to stay contrary to truth? What does it mean to, you know, stay contrary to truth? Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5. So from verse 1, 2, 3 and 4, it began to talk about some of the things that were hard to deal with. Some realities that, you know, are hard to bear. If it was today's time, contemporary time, I'm sure you would have seen fuel hike price in Nigeria somewhere around there hard to deal with very hard to deal with and then in verse 5 he says for although they had uh, let me read the New King James Version it says having a form of godliness but denying its power thereof he said, for although they had a form of piety, true religion, they denied, they deny and reject, and are strangers to the power of it. So it recognizes that there is a power in the gospel. There is a power in the truth. There is a power in God's word. So it recognizes it. But it says, these people, these sets of people that are experiencing this thing, said they had a form, an appearance of true religion, a form. But they deny and reject and are strangers to the power of it. So there is a truth that carries power that if you don't demonstrate that power, what you will have is a form of it. What you will have is something that looks like it, but you won't carry the true power. So it says their conduct, bellies, and genuineness of their profession. That is the true power. The conduct of it, the genuineness of the profession. It said, avoid such people. Run away from them. Because no matter how dark the situation is, no matter how evil the times are, no matter how um, stressful the times are, no matter how d- difficult to bear or to, or to handle the times are, no matter how, no matter how, what happens at the end of the day is that there is a power in truth that when you behold and uphold that power, you separate yourself from the experience of all these things that in the last days will come terrible times of great stress and trouble. And that's what I call the believer's voice of victory. You don't have to you 
you don't have to looking for the right word now you don't have to be the HNIC if you don't know what HNIC is ask those that came for the vigil was it the vigil I mentioned that of, or Wednesday Wednesday okay ask those that came on Wednesday if you don't have to be the HNIC to be able to change things and control things what you just need to do is have a voice have a voice if you don't have voice in the natural oh my god you better have voice in the spiritual you better you better do because there is nothing you will do we've seen it here perilous times of great stress and trouble will come you didn't do anything about it okay how many of you that it was because of what you did that fuel came to 220 it was because of what you did just take the blame say ah let me cause this thing none there was nothing you did but it's a reality you had to deal with you woke up that morning and that was the reality of the day I used to wonder that okay what really has God what's the role of God in the foolishness of men the you know the rubbishness of people those in authority I mean can just wake up one day and decide just decide that this is how this day will go and there is nothing you can do about it am I correct so when Putin decided that look Ukraine I'm dealing with you even the almighty US there's nothing they could do why Elenu, get out. And in your life, you look at it. There's certain things that have happened to you. You feel helpless, just helpless, because somebody else has a voice that is stronger than yours. Today, the same thing. Look at it in social media. It's not the wisest person that makes not that got hurt that gets hurt. No, it's the loudest. Is the loudest, but Risky has ten times more followers than Fela Drotey. That makes sense. So you are wondering, okay, who are the people following him? You're, not, you're wondering, who are okay, who are the people following him? If you put Fela Drotey video on how he's talking about emotional intelligence and how to increase your income in five days. The highest you will get is 10,000 views. But let's say that Bobriski slaps who is that other one? James Brown. Oh my God. 600 million views. Why? It is the loudest not the most intelligent. And that's the, that's the truth. That's the reality we're living in. You can't do anything about it. You can't. So you find people competing. This one puts up his video and is competing that he needs more views. So what happens now? People get really, really creative. In the last one week or so, I've been blocking a lot of people on Facebook. Why? Because they just put up something, all right? And then you open it. The next thing you see is crazy nonsense. They just want that video to attract you. And then the next thing is rubbish. 
So the moment I click on somebody who's following me and maybe they send me a video or something, I click on it and I see stuff, just go straight, block, unfollow, everything, delete, complete. Because everybody wants to be heard. Everybody wants a voice. Everybody wants to say something. Even if it doesn't make sense. Just say something. It's a lady they call Blessing CEO. Jesus Christ. I, I don't know what she said. She contradicts herself from the beginning to the end. But guess what? She has followers. And there is nothing you can do about it. Even some of you are following her. There's nothing you can do about it. It's, it's the reality we are in. But the believer, listen, it says, for although they hold a form of piety, true religion, they deny and reject and are strangers to the power that that thing carries. That thing carries. So, what you think will give you a voice is what is giving others voice that are without. So, you are competing with their voice on their own terms. Not knowing that you have a voice of your own, on your own terms. It will be an error for me to compete with Bobrisky's video. With all the anointing that I have. Honestly, even God will tell me, why are you doing this to yourself? Because it's on their own terms. It's on their own terms. Because I have denied and rejected the power that I carry. I'm appearing in a form but my power that should back me in that form is not there. It's not there. Why? Because I am saying a different thing from what I should be saying. The voice I am speaking from is not carrying the same power that should be behind that voice. It's not carrying the same power. So, so my disposition, my appearance should not be such that I'm competing with the world. No, it should be such that I'm speaking truth. So I'm standing in the place of truth irrespective of how hard and how difficult it is to bear. Because perilous times shall come. Days of trouble and distress shall come. That's constant. While I can do nothing about it. I have a voice. That is backed by power. And I appear in that form. Not by disguise. No. Not by disguise. Not by disguise. I am not taking a form or a shape that doesn't carry the same power that it should carry. And it's deliberate. It's deliberate. The language I'm speaking is backed by the power that I represent. 
So he says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Denying its power. It's beyond the speaking in tongues. It's beyond the number of hours I pray. It's beyond all that. Way, way beyond all that. Yes, those things, they help me to get in that space, to get in that atmosphere. When I fast, when I study God's word, when I stay in a place of faith, they help me to get in that place. But however, the language that I speak must be backed by the power of that language. And that can only come if I align with truth. So the Amplified Version says that we are contrary to truth. Go back to James 1, James 1.22. He said, but be doers of the word, obey the message, and not merely listeners to it. Betraying yourselves into deception by reasoning contrary to the truth. By reasoning contrary to the truth. So the only way you are going to deny that power is that your reasoning is contrary to the truth. But the moment you align with truth, the power becomes effective in your life. Ask the seven sons of Sceva. He said, the demon told them, said, Jesus, we know. Paul, we know. But who are you? Where's your authority? They had a form of godliness. They appeared to speak Christianese. But they denied the power. It means that what the world is looking for is not the form of godliness, but the power behind the godliness. The world does not want to know how well you speak in tongues or how well you pray. They want to know if you carry the power behind the tongues. If you carry the power behind the prayer. That how effective is the power that you carry. They, the world doesn't want to know that, oh, but I go to church. No, that's not an excuse. That's not an excuse. There is a power behind the truth that you must put forth before any other thing. Before any other thing. When people see you and look at you and identify you, how do they relate with you? That should be a concern for you. What do they see first about you? Is it that they, they know you as a church boy, as a church girl? That's all? Or the fact that they see certain intelligence in you that they can only trace to the fact that you are a child of God. They see certain demonstrations in you that they can only trace to the fact that you are aligning yourself with a truth in God's word. The Bible says that they call them Christians first in Antioch. And why did they call them Christians? Unbelievers were the people that gave you Nemo. Unbelievers. That what, did you see in your Bible where God says, Thou are now my Christians? No. 
believers are the ones that tagged you Christians. And why did they do that? They saw a form of godliness. They saw the power that they carried. And they recognized that there is only one person that they have seen behave like this. Which is Christ. So they said, these people are Christ-like. So it means that if I want to carry the power that Christ carried, I have to be what? Christ-like. Somehow, we've hidden, we've forgotten Christ-like in Christianity. It's now a religion. It's now a cliche. Are you a Muslim or a Christian or a Hebrew? No, no, no. That's what it is to help you fill the form. So the Christ-likeness in Christianity is no longer there. It's no longer there. Because for someone to look at you and say, ah, you are Christ-like. You are Christ-like. You are Christ-look-alike. You are Christ-resemblance. You are Christ in the flesh. It means that everything about you is the way this person is. That's why he said, he said, be doers of the word, not just listening. If you read further down, it began to talk about the mirror. He said, when you look at yourself in a mirror, he said, and you forget yourself. You forget how you look like. You forget how you look like. So it means that the power that you're supposed to demonstrate is the Christ-like power. So, they will see that they didn't call them Christians because they were looking for a name to give them. No. They saw a demonstration, an expression of someone. They needed to give it a title. They needed to explain it. And then they said, the only way we can explain this thing is that you are Christ-like. So, it means that whenever I come in contact with people, organizations, businesses, establishments and stuff, what I need to present is not my Christ-likeness. It is what they will see and recognize to call me Christ-like. But what is different today because most people want to um, have this entitlement mentality that I can get it because I'm a Christian. I can get it because I'm a Christian. No. It's not because you're a Christian. They would see something inside of you that will be the first expression. Then they would say, oh, he's behaving like that because he's a Christian. But most times, what do we, the, the reverse is the case. We hear things like, but you say you're a Christian now. Why? They've seen something that is contrary to Christ-like. But when you put forth that character or behavior or that expression that carries true power, what they will say, they say, hey, I knew it. I knew there was something different about you. <laughs> when people say that to you, you've got it. And if you don't get it, forget about it. They will see. They will know that there is something there. Why? Because you are demonstrating from the place of power and authority. 
So every believer has that voice. Every believer has that authority. And as a child of God, you must do well to make sure that that is your only voice that comes out. If your voice is such that they are comparing you to Bobriski, you will not win. If your voice is such that they are comparing you to Derele, you will not win. Your voice has to be different. It has to be unique. And you need to recognize that it is your voice of victory. Sometimes we, we, we feel that we are incapable unless we join that clique or that gang or something. So three things I've, I've discovered that makes people stand contrary to the truth. One of them is the voice of your experience. The voice of your experience. So where the truth is trying to gain preeminence or where the truth is trying to come forward, what happens is your experience comes before that. The things you've been through so God's word is trying to tell you that oh you can't be this or you can't be that and you say well you don't understand what I've been through everything I've been through is telling me that I cannot so what happened is that you are reasoning contrary to truth so that reasoning contrary to truth is because of what you've been through I know people have a way of magnifying what they've been through to the point that when you are done talking to them you say okay so, why do you think you need help? Because you've just explained to me why that thing cannot work. But then you are saying, Pastor, help me. No, I can't help you because all you've explained is that it can work. So, I'm trying to tell you, but you know, say, Pastor, no, you don't understand. The problem is big. I've told somebody one day and I said, eh, the problem is big. I said, no problem, then I can't help you. I said, but no, Pastor, now. I said, but that's what you're doing. I'm trying to tell you how help can come but you are telling me how big the problem is. So if the problem is that big, that means it, you can't be helped. And then the person realized that is thinking contrary to truth. It's things we've been through. You know, yes, we've been through a lot. In my training uh, I had on Friday, I was talking to a group of about um, about 10 to 15 people and all of them were dealing with drug addiction and they've been through interesting stories interesting stories. in fact there was one of them who was um, during the week he, he got up and um, he came he went to another patient's room he's a, a guy a huge guy like that he went into the patient's room so when I got to the center I got when I got to the car park the guy in charge just I just in the car started telling me, say, Pastor, I need to tell you what happened over the weekend. This and this. So this guy went into this guy's room, turned off the light, held him down, and said, Shut up, shut up, shut up. So that one was screaming, Help, help, rape, help, 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 help. So when he came out, people came around and all that. And because of his height and, and everything, he wanted to beat everybody that came around. So we got some boys around. Um and the boys came and dealt with him seriously then we locked him up in the we have a, a section where we lock them that are very violent so we locked him up there for some time for him to come down and be gentle then he came out so on Friday when I got there they were telling me that 
one of the counselors called me and said, please, Pastor Joe, this guy has told me so much, my ears are full. I said, what happened? He said, as a child, sexual abuse from his father, things that he cannot mention to people, it have turned him into that state. His natural default state, if you stand with him, is as if he wants to beat you. Each time I'm talking to him, I always leave the door open. <laughs> Lest my case becomes a different one. Whenever I'm doing one-on-one counseling with him, I just say, don't leave the door, leave the door, leave the door. <laughs> so that I can run. <laughs> His natural default state is like he wants to beat you. His eyes are always red, stoned. <laughs> so be- that kind of person, because of what he has been through, you definitely know that his reasoning will be contrary to truth. There's nothing you want to tell him. And there's nothing he can do about it. It has happened. The perilous times have come. The times of trouble and distress has happened. But guess what? Truth still stands on its own. What happened to us and where truth stands? Truth still has the advantage. So your experience and what you have been through compared to what God's word says, God's word still has the advantage. So if you put aside what you have been through and your experience and you embrace the truth, you will have a voice and it will become your victory over the things you've been through. One of them now asked me, he said, why do you... He said, it's not like I'm trying to um, question your authority or your judgment but I want to know what's your own story he said all of us here because I was talking about 12 or 15 of them I go to train them every week I train them on, on um, uh, peak performance um, so the guy was asking me he said what, what's, what's your own story a lot of people that come here to train us they talk about how they've been to drugs into drugs and all sorts and I said I've never done drugs I said not like I'm trying to say whether that qualifies you to talk to us. I said, and I told him, I said, I don't need a history of foolishness to communicate wisdom. I can communicate wisdom without having been foolish. I can't tell you that, oh, I've been foolish, so now I'm now wise. No. Wisdom is justified by what? Her children. I said, but what I'm teaching you about peak performance, if I tell you my story on why I got to a point where I began to be interested in how people perform well and be good you'll be shocked I told them I said look I used to be very timid I can't talk I'm always if I get into a room and I stay there I can be in one corner nobody will know that I'm there and I used to be very afraid to succeed it used to be a fear a deep fear that how can I succeed how can I be anything at all anything when I met my wife I told her I said I didn't know how I was going to get my. I was asking myself, who will marry me? That was how terrible it was for me. So success was a far... It wasn't... I just wanted to just live life, enjoy life, die and go to heaven. Because I didn't think nothing will happen. Do ministry, which kind of ministry? Nothing. It was too difficult. It was, it was a fear until I got filled with the Holy Spirit and things began to change. 
so when I was telling them some of my experiences and my story, I told them, I said, I described how I would go fetch water from a particular place and maybe from here now, I'll go as far as uh, maybe close to Artillery Junction to get water and carry the water and come back here. So in my house, I'm always fighting with my wife, don't store water anywhere. I hated it with a passion. Because growing up, the only place we did not store water was spoon. We stored water in cup. Because water was hard to get. So my wife would say, but the pumping machine is not working. He said, I'd rather go and rent a generator and pump water in the tank and let the water come from than for me to store water in any bucket. Why? I was fighting my experience fighting what I've been through. But I realized better that I can't allow that experience to now keep me in that state. I don't like pap. Not because it's wrong. But the only thing we didn't do with pap growing up is that we did not sell it. We went to the market, bought the corn. I'm not talking of we, we plucked the corn with all the things around it. Took it home removed the all those things cleaned it use um, spoon and this thing to remove the corn grains put it in washed it took it to the mill blended it brought it back home turned it sieved it put it on that cloth wrapped it so that the thing would thicken left it to dry come on what are you talking about it was a, we had a supply chain <laughs> a full production plant for pap. And I grew up and I hated it with the passion. The only thing we did not do was selling. Because that was what we had to eat morning, afternoon, night. Readily available. Homegrown processed. But I could have taken that experience and lived with that experience. And let it become my attitude towards life. No. But I had to be wise by the help of the Holy Spirit. That my reasoning must not be contrary to truth. I must see myself in the light of God's word. And then that becomes the mirror that reflects who I really am. So when it comes to truth... Your experience really doesn't count. God will not consult your past to determine your future. No, he won't. He will present you with truth and hope that you accept that truth. He will. I mean, I I can talk about many experiences. Things that will make me say that, look, I'm not sure your life will turn out well moved from a three bedroom apartment or a two bedroom, I can't remember how many bedroom now from there, things went down so bad, we moved to a we moved to a room and a parlor things went so bad, we moved from that room and parlor now listen, we took the things in the house and distributed it to family members because we couldn't get a place to stay so this chair was with one family member. This dining table 
was with another family member. And then this child had to stay with this one. Mom had to stay here and dad had to stay there. Messed up my mind. Messed it up pretty bad. And then when the time we eventually got to move into another room and parlor, I thought that, that from that place now, things would be going up. It went down the more. So from the one room and, room and parlor, whatever they call it, they couldn't pay for that one again. So we shrunk it. It now became one room. One room. At that point, I'd given up. Because there was nobody that could explain to me what was happening. Nobody could explain to me. I could have taken that experience and gone, if I wanted to do drugs or anything, that was the best moment. I could have given excuse for it. But I found Christ. And that began my journey. And things began to change. Things began to change in my mind. And it began to change rapidly. So in that process, I was looking at the mirror, fighting that state at that time. Fighting it because I know that it will not be a future that I want to relate with. It will not be a future that I want to make reference with when I get to the future. No. And I will not allow my experiences, my future experiences to be determined by my past. So I started looking into God's word. Who does he say I am? Why does he say I am like this? Why does he say I am like this? Verse 24, verse 23 of James 1 says, For if anyone listens to the word without obeying it and being a doer of it, he's like a man who looks carefully at his own natural face in the mirror. For he thoughtfully observes himself and then goes off and promptly forgets what he was like. So it means that who you are should be gotten from the mirror of who God says you are. Not your experience. You can't do anything about it. The times of hard, the hard times and difficult times, times to hard that are hard to bear will come. There is nothing you can do about it. And then number two, the voice of the experience of others. What other people know compared to what the truth is saying. I've met people who have said several times, eh, but this person said, but that person said, but I know somebody that this thing happened to. I mean, have you met very, very pessimistic people? You tell them something, you say, hmm, are you sure it's going to work? Hmm. I know somebody that tried that, you know. Hmm. If you see what happened to the man, don't you ever know people that succeed? Don't you ever know people that succeed? You go to tell somebody, ah, let me tell you. In fact, there's this business I'm trying to do. Hey, you want to go into that business? Ah. Now, so one man entered the business last week with my brother. He, the whole family, fire just come down from heaven, just burn all of them. Ah. Why? So we take the experiences of other people above the truth. 
what other people have been through what they've gone through i can as well begin to say ah my brother this life is hard though is hard though is hard though we already know that life is hard you're saying it does not make it any harder you're saying it is only fighting the truth myself in the mirror of god's word fighting it and telling me to accept that truth telling me to accept it other people's experiences they don't change the truth of god's word then the voice of deception knowing what to do but refusing to do so out of pride they say deceiving your own selves you know that this thing is the truth this is what you should do but you just refuse to do it out of pride the same pride that happened to Lehman Lehman the same pride he said if he had told you to do a worse thing wouldn't you have done it wouldn't you have done it you would have as a child of God there is nothing that should happen on this earth that should shock you no nothing rather you should take a position that no matter what happens I'm on the side of truth no matter what happens that truth becomes my voice of victory you will go through things I mean things will happen to you you will go through situations caused by people, caused by yourself caused by nobody at all, by no fault of yours at all, but they will mess up your state, they will mess you up to a point where you'll be thinking contrary to the truth and that's where Satan is going but Jesus knew that too early and he said to Peter, Satan has decided to have you and sift you like wheat. Question, was it Satan that came to meet him and said to him, Ah, I think you are part of his disciples. No, it was people. So, whatever it is, people will still hurt you and offend you. Whether they did it right or they did it wrong. But Jesus said, Satan had decided to have you, to sift you as wheat. He said, but I prayed for you. That you will not reason contrary to the truth. That your faith will not fail. That's the most important thing. It's not that things will happen to you. No, things will happen to you that will get you offended, hot, bitter, angry. That will make you want to hate life and do things, go into drugs and do all sorts and mess up. Things will happen. That's not an excuse. He said, I prayed for you. When that thing happens, Peter realized that Satan is at work. When that thing happens, Peter realized that Satan is at work. And that your faith should not fail. And that you shouldn't reason contrary to the truth. Verse 25 of James 1 he says, but he who looks carefully into the faultless law, the law of liberty, and is faithful to it, and perseveres in looking into it, 
being not a headless listener who forgets but an active doer who obeys he shall be blessed in his doing his life of obedience he perseveres in looking into it. He stands by it, stays by Perseverance in looking into it means that you are reasoning contrary to what it is, what is trying to make you think contrary to the truth. It means that you are steadfast on what the truth is, irrespective of how bad the state is. How bad the state is. Some of you would have made adjustments in your mind that oh fuel is now 220 okay let me trek from here to here you know take 15 uh, please stop it stop it if you want to do it as form of exercise I understand it's fine if you want to do it because you don't have funds at the moment it's okay but don't let that be your mindset don't ever let that be your mindset fight it with everything you've got fight it with everything you've got fight it fight it fight it with everything you've got there's some things I do for my kids not because I want to spoil them but because I'm trying to put their mind at something I'm trying to put their mind at something there's a way you can look at a bad situation so much that all of a sudden your life just takes that shape your life was not like that before but you just stayed there ha well, it's now 220. Hey, that means everything is going to go up. Oh, tomatoes will go up, pepper will go up, salt will go up, gari will go up. Ha, what are we going to do? Ha. And the next thing, depression sets in. Everything just sets in. But what does the truth say? That is your voice of victory. So stay with the truth and not look at the reality, the present reality of things. To stay with the truth of God's word. Stand to your feet. The times will not get easier. They will get darker. Things will not be easier. It's not a prophecy of doom. It's a reality of life. But God's word tells us that in the midst of that darkness, my people will rise. In the midst of that darkness, there will be a set of people that will not be reasoning contrary to the truth. That when they say there is a casting down, you will say there is a lifting up. It says, don't think how they think. Don't say what they say. Don't call a confederacy what they call a confederacy. Don't think in that their direction. You have a voice in the place of the spirit. And that is your voice of victory. You embrace it. You hold it. You stay with it no matter how long. What will happen at the end of the day is that your, your life would have moved forward way ahead of your experiences. That you would have forgotten the past. Forgotten where you are coming from. Because you are so much in tune with the future. And through God's word. You are seeing your life there. You are seeing your experiences there. And that becomes your model. No matter what happens. Lift your hands to heaven. I want to pray for you from my heart today. No matter what you've been through. No matter your experience. No matter the things that have happened to you in the past. 
those things will not be a stumbling block for your future in the name of Jesus. That God's word will be the final authority in your life. And as you stay true to that word and look steadfastly, persevere in that word, everything that God says you are, you will become in the name of Jesus. The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Ministries International. For information about Kingsword Ministries, visit us at kingsword.org for information and additional resources. Thank you for listening to this message. And remember, where the word of a king is, there's power.